we do, I want to give a quick little uh, commercial. Uh, first of all, again, uh, tonight is Discover VFC. If you haven't been through that, it's a change that we're making. We, we let people... Um, uh, we've we, we've let people join the church. We call membership here partnership, um, and we are uh, making Discover VFC a prerequisite to joining the church. Uh, the reason is is just like you wouldn't sign a contract in a lawyer's office without reading it first. We want you to know exactly what we stand for here at VFC, and we want to make sure that that we know uh, what, that you are partnering with us and and. Uh, uh, partnership, I like it better than membership because it means that your good, bad, and ugly becomes our good, bad, and ugly. And our good, bad, and ugly becomes your good, bad, and ugly, right? And we, we, we journey together, we partner together in our faith. And so uh, I'm excited I'm excited about that. I'd love to see you. It's here at 6 o'clock. We'll meet in um, probably the, the back room uh, down the back hall. So also next week we're going to do a, a short little Christmas series. It's called... Navy socks and aftershave, or what you really want for Christmas. Uh, and I'll explain it more in detail, but uh, I will tell you it has to do with my dad. Every time uh, Christmas rolled around or his birthday rolled around, we said, Dad, what do you want? He would say, Navy socks and aftershave. And there's a little jewel of truth that I want you guys to get. Um, about what uh, what he was really telling us when he said that. And so we're going to be talking about that over the next few weeks through the end of December. And then, uh, of course, we're going to enjoy the holidays, come back in January ready, ready to seek the Lord with all that we are. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, we're talking about Merry Christmas this morning. And, and I, I, I've just been thinking, and I probably think a little too much on this kind of stuff, but y- why do we say Merry Christmas? Merry versus happy. Because, you know, actually over in England, they say happy Christmas. The, the greeting is happy Christmas. And we say Merry Christmas. And we don't really use the word Merry that often, right? We, we usually don't. And, um, and, and, and it's interesting. So I started looking it up. And, and, and instances of Merry Christmas were found in like the 1500s. People were saying it then. Uh, and then Charles Dickens um, had, you know, the, the, the Christmas story. Um, and, and in his book, he said, Merry Christmas to all. You know, the little kid stands up at the end and says, Merry Christmas. And that's when it really took root. That was in the 1800s. That's when it really took root here in the United States to say Merry Christmas, while the Brits kept saying Happy Christmas because that's what the Queen said. Okay? So I've been thinking about Merry versus Happy. What's the difference? Well, you know, on, on one level, there's not much of a difference. It's just Happy Christmas and Happy New Year doesn't sound as good as Merry Christmas and Happy New Year, right? And so that's why we say Merry a lot of the time. But, but there's actually a slight difference between the words Merry and Happy. And I want to show you the definition of Merry. It says, to be Merry is to be cheerful, lighthearted, carefree, and without a care in the world. That sounds good, doesn't it? That would be great. I want to be merry, right? I want to be merry. Now, just so you know, happiness is a little bit different. Happiness is based on your environment. It's based on your circumstances. So if you're up for a promotion at work and you get the promotion, you are now happy, right? Um, And so it's based on when things go the way you want them to. Thank you, sweetheart. When things go the way that you want them to, you are happy. When they don't go the way you want them to, you are sad, right? 
But Mary's a little bit different. Mary is like, I don't have a care in the world. It doesn't matter whether I get the promotion or not. It doesn't matter whether my spouse acts right or not. It doesn't matter if things are going well or not. I am going to be lighthearted. I'm going to be carefree. I'm going to be without a care in the world. That, that would be awesome. As a matter of fact, and, and this is the negative side of the word, um, they would, uh, to make Mary, oh yeah, he's going to go off with his friends and make Mary. That means he's going to go get drunk, right? Because so many of us don't possess the skills to be able to live a merry, hopeful, joyful life. So we have to drown it and we have to numb it with a substance. And so they've come, we're going to make merry. Because the only way some people are ever carefree is if they soak their brain in a substance. So we don't want to be like that, do we? We, we want to have a merry Christmas. We, we don't just want to have a happy Christmas. If you get the gift that you want then you're happy. We want to be merry. We want to have no, uh, no, no cares in the world, lighthearted, joyful. Here's the problem. I don't see a lot of merry Christians. All right? I mean, not to be negative or anything, but I don't see a lot of merry Christians, especially around this time of year. I see Christians who are getting all upset about the color of coffee cups? Did anyone else see this a few weeks back? If you're on social media at all, you saw this. Some guy who says he's a Christian posted a video in front of Starbucks going off on Starbucks because instead of having a holiday cup with reindeer and snowflakes and Christmas trees, they just had a red cup. And he said, you see... This is what they want to do to you. It's a red cup, bro. Take your meds. And so, you know, so it, it, people get so upset. I mean, and I hate the way that Christian, of course, the news outlets, they want to portray Christians as idiots. So they take this one guy who's the only person on the face of the planet that cares about this. And then he's all, they were interviewing him on CNN. What? Why is this guy representing the kingdom? We have so many uncheerful Christians. We have so many people, Christians that aren't lighthearted. They're heavy-hearted. They're downtrodden. They're Merry Christmas. You better say Merry Christmas to me when I buy something from your store. You better. It's my right to hear Merry Christmas from you. What? How have, we, how have we gotten to this? How have we gotten to this? I, I simply, I don't understand. I see angry Christians. I see, I see Christians who are falling under the weight of pressure. I see Christians who are overspending their budget during Christmas. Just like the rest of the world. I see Christians who are picking fights. With people because of what they say, how they greet each other. Look, I just for the record, you can greet me however you'd like to this holiday season. Now, I, personally, season's greetings to me is the laziest greeting you can possibly do. Have you thought, have you thought about season's greetings? Yeah, whatever season it is, that greeting. Now go. <laughs> so lazy, right? Season's greetings. I don't even know what season it is. But, but you've been greeted. But, look, you can greet 
however you want to. All right, it's, it's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. I actually, and I want to go off on a tangent here for a little bit, and I've shared this a couple of years ago. I shared this here, and I'd like to share it again, but I was um, taken back. Uh, I was, um, before I was the pastor here, I was worship leader and, and youth pastor as well, and I was picking out a set list for, um, for our, our worship songs, and we had a song that shared a name there's a Christmas version, and so I put the name of this, it's called Offering. So I put on the set list, I put Offering, and then in parentheses, I put Christmas spelled with an X. Wow. Someone came to me during practice, and I don't remember, and I, I, honestly, I can't remember if it was at this church or the church I was at previously, and I don't even remember who it was. So if it was you, I'm not picking on you. I've genuinely forgotten. But someone said, Jamie, what? I can't, be- I can't believe you did this. I was like, did what? That's what the atheists do. They want to X out Jesus and take Christ out of Christmas, and you put that on there. And I thought, I don't, I'm not trying to do anything to Jesus right now. That's not my goal. I am not intending to hurt baby Jesus right now, okay? It's his birthday. And, and, and so I, you know, I laughed it off or whatever, but, it, but it, really, it really bothered me. And I, and I got a little mad afterwards. I thought, wait a minute. I love the Lord. I've given my life to the Lord. And, and I'm, I, my faith, my motives were called into question because of an abbreviation. And, and it, it made me mad. And so I started doing, I started doing some research. And I, hopefully this will help you. But the reason why Christmas with an X is not necessarily a bad thing is because the X stands for Christ. You'll see listed underneath here is the Greek word for Christ. You notice what letter it starts with. It's, it's an X. Rx is actually a chi in Greek. And so um, it, it's actually it's historically accurate that the letter X has been used for centuries by Christians as a symbol to represent Christ, uh, because the word Christ starts with an X. It's not just Christmas with an X. It's, it's actually uh, the, the title of Christians would, would have an X-I-A-N, Christian. So it'd be X-I-A-N, and there's a city in China called that's spelled that way. So they then changed it later to X-T-I-A-N to differentiate. Uh, many res- historians report that uh, the early church who suffered incredible persecution, not just saying Merry Christmas and Red Cups, I mean real persecution where you're getting killed for your faith, uh, that they would, they would talk to each other in code and, and they would put an X over their, the, the door frame of their house to be able to recognize, hey, I'm a Christian. Um, it, it, was a, it was a symbol that represented Christianity during times of persecution. Also, early Christians um, would use the letters X and P. And so um, this is called a Cairo because Chi is the X and Rho is what we would look at as the P. Again, it's the first two letters of the word Christ in Greek. Um, And so they formed this symbol 
the Cairo, that you may have seen. Does that look familiar to you guys? Have you seen the Cairo before? It's kind of lost on our culture, but uh, it was synonymous with Christianity. Uh, if, if you saw that symbol, you know it was Christianity. And it's, it's, it's not a way to replace the name of Jesus or the title of Christ. Uh, it was just a respectful reference to him. Um, and so, uh, so, just so you know, so X uh, in place of Christ is um, a way of renaming Christ, not replacing Christ. Um, the other thing is that when you see XMAS, it's not pronounced Xmas. It's pronounced Christmas because the X is an abbreviation of the word Christ. Um, so we do this all the time. Um, if you're going to write out the name of Dr. Jones, you might not spell it out D-O-C-T-O-R. You might just put D-R period Jones. Now you don't say, hey, what's up, D-R period Jones? You say, what's up, Dr. Jones, right? But So you say doctor even though you wrote D-R period. Why? Because it's an abbreviation. All right, are you with me? Right? We say Mrs. is M-R-S. I don't know how the R got in there. It's like slipped in like, hey, I'm here. Mrs., right, M-R-S, it's an abbreviation. And in the same way, the X is an abbreviation of Christ. Um, so it doesn't change the pronunciation of the word. If you see anyone write X-M-A-S, it's, it's pronounced Christmas. There's no word Xmas. That's not a word. It doesn't exist. Um, also, the letter X hadn't always been negative. Now, in, in our modern culture, X is like a negative thing. Like right on Family Feud, if you make a dumb guess, right? And the big X comes up on the screen, right? Uh, if we have a, a bad movie that we need to rate, right, we'll use an X. Like stay away, stay out, right? Uh, and so X kind of has a negative connotation for us today, but it didn't always have... Uh, a negative connotation. Uh, it was actually uh, a way to highlight the importance of something. Uh, you, you may remember way back when, and if you've signed documents in a lawyer's office, when it's time for your signature, it may be a little X right next to the signature line. Why? Because they didn't have highlighters back then. Right? Way back when, they didn't have highlighters, no Sharpies. And so, so it'd be X, like draw your attention, boom, big deal right here, this is where you sign. Okay, uh, and, and we still see that some, we, we still see like, if you've seen a, a pedestrian crossing sign, it says ped, which isn't ped, it's pedestrian, and you see X-I-N-G, crossing, and so that, and that, in that context, it's meant to represent the cross, crossing, so it's just an X, all right? So it's not pedzing, what's pedzing? You know, it's a pedestrian crossing, okay? And so X hasn't always been negative, if, if in, in our Modern culture, really, just within the last 50 years or so, it has become. But, but it, throughout history, it hasn't. And so seeing Xmas actually looks good to the eye because it, it brought attention to the word Christmas. So what's the conclusion on Christmas spelled with an X? Look, you don't, you don't have to do it, but it's just a logical abbreviation with sound Christian history. It's, it's, it's just not a big deal. And I know we, 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 we feel picked on sometimes as Christians. And, you know, are, are there going to be people that, you know, purposefully and antagonistically use the X to try to take Christ out of Christmas? Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. But the joke's on them. 
because they're replacing the name of Christ with the sacred symbol of Christ. They're idiots. <laughs> they don't even know what they're doing. You can't take Christ out of Christmas no matter what you do anyway. It's silly. It, the whole thing's silly. So if one of, if one of your uh, antagonistic friends happens to write Xmas, hey, whatever. It's Christmas. It's not Xmas. It's just a symbol for Christ. Uh, all throughout history, it's been a symbol. So should you use it if you want to? If you want to use an abbreviation, you can. If you don't want to, it's cool. Write out Christmas. I like writing out Christmas personally. It's not a big deal. But hey, look, here's the point. <laughs> look, we Christians have to quit finding things to get offended at. We have to quit it. We have to quit finding things to get offended at. Okay? Look, the world is waiting. Scripture says that all creation is groaning for the revealing of the sons of God. Not this paltry, shallow, religious junk that's going on in the church these days. Creation's not groaning to see that. They're looking for real men and women whose lives are laid down for the sake of the kingdom. Who are willing to die for their faith. Who think persecution is not having things the way they want it. But persecution is giving your life for the sake of the kingdom. Look, if, if you want to fight those that are against Christmas. If you want to fight those that, that are against Christianity. Make a big deal of the light. Don't make a big deal of the darkness. That's, that's how the kingdom is, is, is advanced. That's how it's forwarded. By making a big deal of the light, not making a big deal. You make a big deal of the darkness, you draw attention to the darkness. Look, don't be afraid of the dark. Just turn on the light. Just declare who Jesus is. If someone is giving you a hard time about your faith in your, uh, in your life, look, if, if it's, for some people it's a good idea to sit down and have a good old-fashioned debate, take them through Scripture. If God's gifted you with that ability, go for it. But if you're, if he's not, if you're not being told by the Holy Spirit to do that, let's take that person out to coffee instead. Invest in their life. Say, hey, I'm going to go volunteer this Christmas at a soup kitchen, or I'm going to go do something like that. Would you join me? Demonstrate what being a Christian is like. Right? Doesn't that make a whole lot more sense? Look, the world is full of sinners. Sinners sin. Go be different. Go be different. Go shine the light of Christ. The world is lost and waiting on someone who's not all hung up on abbreviations. To demonstrate the love of God to them. So let's go do that. Let's go do that. I want to read a couple of scriptures to you and just kind of walk through these together. This is uh, James chapter 1, verses 19 through 21. I've got it up here because I like it in the New Living Translation. You can follow along with me. We're just going to kind of spend, I've got two verses where we're going to spend some time on these. Because, again, we're talking about being merry, being lighthearted, being carefree. And a lot of the reason we're not merry, we're not carefree, we're not lighthearted, is because we're just suffering under the weight of, of what everyone else is doing. Right? We're, we're so offended at what everyone else is doing. So James 1, 19 through 21 says, Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all, all, all of us, 
You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Look, it, it, sometimes it's so easy for us to get provoked by the world. We see something going on wrong, right? And then all of a sudden, uh, we, we, get, we get angry. Well, that's not right. Well, no one's saying that it is right. But, but the scripture is saying that your, your reaction to injustice, your reaction to someone with a wrong opinion, and even your reaction to really bad things like shootings and terrorism, and that, it has everything to do with, with whether or not you're going to do things the word's way. Okay? So let's look at this. It says, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Why? Why? Because, the next line, human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. See, God desires that everyone is righteous. God desires that everyone comes into relationship with him. God desires that everyone have a chance for salvation, right? But... If you see someone who doesn't understand God's ways, if you see someone who's struggling with the truth, you getting mad at them is not going to make the righteousness of God well up in them. You've not been given that gift. You've not been given that ability. You do not possess within you the ability to make someone mad enough to turn to Christ. You don't. It's, it's, It's not an option for you. Now, notice it says human anger. Now, there is a righteous anger. There is a godly anger. There is a righteous indignation, a a, a holy unrest that we can enter into when we agree and we hate the things that God hates. But you have to realize that if you hate the things that God hates, that will never be a person. You can hate ideas. You can hate actions. But God loves the people. So you can never be godly and hate a person at the same time. Because Jesus doesn't do that. God doesn't do that. After Jesus came and he died on the cross and he rose from the grave, he says, okay, now everyone, everyone, from the most despicable person we can imagine to the most holy saint, everyone is now, everyone is, is, is now able to come into fellowship with me because of Jesus. So, so human anger, human anger doesn't produce righteousness. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives. Okay, now that's interesting. If I were to stand up here and just say, get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives, you think, okay, I need to quit doing this, I need to quit doing this, I need to quit doing this. You think I was talking about the sin in your life that you need to get rid of in, only, in order to be a holy person, right? That's, if I heard someone say that, that's where I would probably go. But that's not what he's talking about at all. He's not talking about cleaning up your own life right here. Now, that's a, a good idea. Like, yeah, we need to get rid of all the filth and stuff that's, that's in our lives. But he's talking about dealing with other people who tick us off. Isn't that what he's talking about? So he says, so get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives. He's not talking about your filth and evil. He's talking about everyone else's filth and evil. See, sometimes as Christians, we become fixated on everything that's wrong in the world. And it, and it brings about that human anger. I mean, I, I have to watch this, you guys, especially on social media. I, was, I, was, I got so angry yesterday. There was a video that, that someone had posted. And these people, people, 
they took a Bible and they wrapped it in uh, to make it look like it was the Quran. And then they read out of context scriptures at people and said, this is from the Quran, what do you think? And they said, yeah, you know, this is a dangerous thing. And, and, and they go, oh yeah, really, what's the Bible? <laughs> I'm going to punch those guys in the throat. Because that's what we need. That, that, that's what's going to help the world is trickery, not teaching, right? That's going to help. It made me so angry. And it made me angry that one of my friends would have posted this. So I had to take a breath. <laughs> and I had to realize that the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Now, I, I spoke up and I said, hey, you know, I, I commented on it. I said, hey, this is, this is stupid. This, this is maddening and this is wrong. And it's not something we should be you know, rallying around at something we should, I mean, this is the problem. To somehow think that the Bible is anywhere close to being similar to the Quran is insane. Have you read the teachings of Jesus? Love your neighbor. There's neither Jew nor Greek, male nor female. Equality, embracing people. It's the most inclusive religion on the face of the planet because everyone is welcome. Have you read the Quran? It basically says all throughout that the word Islam means submit. And it says if you don't agree with us, you get to die. That's what it means. They are nothing alike in any way, shape, or form. And and, and so that's maddening. That that makes me angry. That makes me mad. But what am am, am I going to do? Go kick down a door and rip someone's computer out of their desk? No, we have spiritual weapons that we are called to use. And guys, our country is so fractured and in factions and so separate. And and people are dividing us up by race and they're dividing us up by income. They're dividing us up by political ideology and it needs to stop. Jesus Christ died to bring people together to rally around him and to bring them to the Father. It's antichrist. It's against the mission of Jesus. Amen? All right, got to finish this verse. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives. What does that mean? It means all the filth that's going on out there, all the evil that's going on out there. Look, if you focus on this all the time, you're going to be miserable. That's what it's saying. It's not talking about your filth and evil. There are other verses that talk about your filth and evil. But if you feed yourself with a constant... A a constant stream of angry news. You all know what I'm talking about. Then you you will not be quick to listen slow to anger. You'll be quick to talk at people instead of with people. And you're called to be ambassadors of a different kingdom. Amen? Okay, I I really am going to finish this verse. So get rid of all filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts. For it has the power to save your souls. There is something that has power to save your souls. Your soul, your friend's souls, people you don't like, their souls too. It's the word of God. It's the power of God. And that's what our focus is, not everything that's wrong with the world. Look, I'm I'm not saying stick your head in the sand and act like nothing's wrong. There's a lot wrong, right? But I'm saying the solution that Christians utilize to make what's wrong right is the scripture. It's the word of God. It's God's way of doing things, not man's way of doing things. Are you with me? And it says humbly 
humbly. What does what does humility mean? It says, "Not me, you." Look, I have opinions, but you know, I don't always give my opinions, even when I have them. You know, you don't have to say everything you think. You don't have to. I release you from that. You don't have to say everything you think. Because usually at the point in time when you say it, you're going to change your mind anyway a lot of times, right? You know, you know, so humility means that you know the source of truth. The source of truth is not me. The source of truth is the Lord, right? And it's revealed to me through his Holy Spirit. And it's revealed to me through his Holy Word. And so, so in humility, we accept the word of God. It says that it's been planted in your hearts. The New King James says the implanted word of God. The implanted word of God. Now, when you plant something, let's think about this for a second. Let's say you have a seed or, or something like that, and you're going to plant it. You stick it where? Deep under the ground. Now, do you, if you planted something properly, can you still see it? No, no, it's hidden, it's tucked away, it's gone deep into the soil. That's what we, what we do with the word, is we, we plant it. We plant it, it's implanted. For the purpose of what? Of springing up and displaying something beautiful for the world to see. But we first have to plant the word in our hearts. This is Bible memorization. This is knowing what you're talking about. It's when someone accosts you on the street and says, hey, listen to these scriptures from the Quran, and they're really scriptures from the Bible, that you actually know your Bible good enough to say you're an idiot and to call them, right? So it's the implanted word of God. That's where our focus is, not on everything that's wrong with the world, everything that's right, with the world. See, God has partnered with you and has given you the ability to declare the truth of heaven onto earth. But if all you look at is what's wrong with earth instead of what's right with heaven, you can't do what he's asked you to do. Let me show you another verse. It says, again I say, so he said this before. <laughs> this is the Apostle Paul talking. Don't get involved in foolish, ignorant arguments that only start fights. <laughs> That's funny. Because it helps me to know that the Apostle Paul wrote this to a relatively new pastor. In, in the city of Ephesus, Timothy was the pastor at, in Ephesus. Uh, relatively new guy, young guy, right? And... and uh, Evidently, people have been crazy annoying uh, 2,000 years ago. It's not just today that everyone wants to get into annoying arguments and disputes about stupid stuff. (laughs) Right? They had people bemoaning the color of uh, their chalices back then (laughs) or whatever, so their coffee cups. There was... was, There were foolish and ignorant arguments going on, so much so that Paul had to warn Timothy twice, because this is the second time, again I say. So it it, it has been an issue, it is an issue, and it will be an issue. People are going to want to distract us from our purpose, which is to bring heaven to earth. People want to distract us from our purpose. Don't get caught up in this, what Paul says to Timothy. Hey, look, I put you in, as pastor over this church in Ephesus on purpose. Don't get distracted from your mission. Don't get distracted from what's important. 
It only starts fights. I, 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 I like debating sometimes. But do you know that although maybe I feel like I've won a debate, I've never really won a heart through it. Usually what happens, if it's so, if it's so obvious to everyone involved in the debate that, that I've made the best you know, argument and that I would quote, quote you know, win, the person who, quote, lost, their heart's not changed. They're embarrassed. Maybe I feel good about myself, taking myself a few steps further out of the kingdom in pride. But it, it, hasn't, it didn't produce godly fruits, right? It just made them feel bad, made me feel good. Yay. So I, I encourage you. Again, I'm not saying you never speak up. The church has got to speak up. There are things that we speak. But, it's, but what did you ask the Holy Spirit? Or did you just speak out of your own ability? Did you ask the Holy Spirit? Okay. Foolish, ignorant arguments that only start fights. A servant of the Lord. How many of you want to be servants of God? Yeah, I know you do. You're here, right? Kudos, you're here. A servant of the Lord must not quarrel. Must not quarrel. The New King James says strive, fight, right? It's not conduct becoming the people who have the living God inside of them. Servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but must be kind to everyone. It doesn't mean that you get run over, but kind, kind means that you're just not mean to people. Just, you treat people with dignity and, and respect. Must be kind, able to teach. Oh, that means you've got a responsibility. Because in order to teach something, you've got to know what that something is. Look, don't, if I can just be honest with you guys, look, I encourage you this Christmas season, you, if, if, you, if you struggle with Bible reading, you don't know where to start, and you like, you know, people are like, oh, I'm going to start in Genesis. Bad idea. Okay? You'll make it through Exodus probably, but when you hit Leviticus, you are gone. Okay? Look, read, read the Gospel of John. Read the Gospel of John. If you're like, I don't know where to start reading, and look, just read the gospel, read the gospel of John. Start with it. It's great. It just starts, boom, it starts. It doesn't give you a long lineage of Jehoshaphat's parents or whatever, right? It just gets started. It's, it's really easy to understand. Get you, get you a version of the Bible that you can understand. Look, I, the, the language in the King James is beautiful. It's great, but you know what? We don't talk like that anymore. Read for understanding, Lord, show me, what are you trying to tell me? God didn't write the Bible so it would be a beautiful book of poetry that we could study. He wrote it because it contains life. It contains truth. So we need to, we need to read it for understanding. Start, start with John. Start with John. So it says, The servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be kind to everyone. Be able to teach because you've been studying. And be patient with difficult people. Oh, So annoying. Really? I can't just write people off? I can't give them a few tries and then they still annoy me and then I can just get out of here? I can't do that? No. Be patient with difficult people. Y'all know difficult people? Some of you are difficult people. I'm kidding. No, none of you are difficult people. But you know, but you know the difficult people, right? You know the difficult people. People are just relentless. Just, oh my gosh. Leave me alone. Be patient. 
You know, you know patience, patience is a fruit of the Spirit, isn't it? Okay, so you're being instructed to do something you can't do without God. So what do you need to do? Get close to God, right? Yeah, I'm not telling you to also, okay, buckle, okay, buckle up, man. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this Christian thing. I'm going to love people. Yeah, okay, good, good. I like the attitude. But what you need to do is draw near to God. Because in him is found the qualities and attributes that you need to do what he's instructed you to do. Okay? Oh, gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Oh, God. See, I like making people look stupid. It makes me feel good. Right? It's much more fun to get a gotcha on someone to turn their words against them. Right? Or are y'all all like holy saints and you float around your house? No, right? Yeah. So I, I, I like that. It's fun. Boom, I nailed you. Hey, baby, look what I just, they said this. And I said, I, I, I. that's not what the scripture says to do. It says, gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Perhaps God will change their hearts. Oh, that's the problem. It's because when you're not gently instructing someone, you just want to prove them wrong. You don't care about their heart. But God does. It says, perhaps, maybe. Look, if you come in contact with an unbeliever this Christmas season, maybe it's a family member, maybe it's a friend, maybe it's a coworker, and they're giving you grief about your beliefs at Christmas or whatever, you know. Think, Lord, how can I, how can I help their heart? Because that, that's, what, that's what God wants is their heart. God wants their heart. Gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Perhaps God will change those people's hearts. And they will learn the truth. But it's going to be done gently. Isn't that what the scripture says? Guys, look, I know it's maddening. I know. And look, I'm, I just, I'm not prophesying this. But just so you know, it's going to get worse. It's going to get worse. The, 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 the break between godly people, the light, and ungodly people, the dark, it's going to get even bigger. I'm just telling you, it's going to get even worse. We have to have this down. We can't go, we can't do this on the fly. We have to have a plan. We have to know who our Savior is, what he thinks about things, and we've got to be, we've got to be tried and tested and be a person that God can use to speak to people who are, who are just tied up in deception and in bondage to the truth. We, we need to be those people. We need to be those people that God can use. There are many churches that are darkened. Everyone's an idiot. Everyone, everyone is messed up with this world, so we're just going to go hide in our little church box on Sundays. It's not what we're called to do. It's not what this church is going to do. Amen. Because I need y'all with me on board. I can't do I mean, I can't do this by myself. Okay? So let's, let's have... Let's have a Merry Christmas. Let's not worry about the X in Christmas. Let's be merry, not just happy when things go our way that we're, okay, yeah, now I can be, now I'm okay. No, no, I'm going to be lighthearted. I'm going to be carefree. Sister Susie didn't do the right thing. Bless her, Lord. How can I help her? Right? That's what, that's what we need to do. That's the attitude we need to have. And you will be so happy If you learn to be merry. Amen? Amen. Let's stand for prayer.